I know when you get in those like super dark days, it can be very, very hard to see anything besides it. But um, yeah, I promise you that there are better days out there and um, they are coming for you. Just be patient, look after yourself and um, yeah, speak to somebody about it. You don't have to do it all on your own. Welcome back to Switched On, a platform for mob like you and me who are looking to learn and grow from life experiences in order to fulfil one's potential, becoming more switched on in the process. Enjoy the episode. Let's go. Mr. Braden, Bubba, how are you, my good friend? Mate, I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, just quickly, you know, have you seen the movie Pitch Perfect? It's just really in my head right now. You know, like when, because um, we were just singing into the mics before we started. Believe in right. love, the love. Yep. Is this like our little thing that records our podcast? Mm, Tascam. Yep, that's the one. Shout out. Does does that look like like Pitch Perfect 2 or 3? Like, you know, when she's like doing the beats, like the Christmas songs? Oh, it's kind of like what Fred again does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, you could, like, they, like I mean, listeners can't see, but there's like a th- um, few buttons numbered 1 to 8. Um, you could, there's these things you can input into the system. It's called stings. You know, you could press them and it makes a sound. So that's first. Okay, where's all we need to start doing? Anyway, yeah, it was just on top of my head, and I really want to talk about it. But, <laughs> mate, I'm good. I'm um, I'm up and about, mate. Yeah, I th- and I think we talk about it all the time, but I think it's just this weather, mate. This week has been unreal. The weekend's gonna be unreal. So I'm I'm up and about, mate. How are you? Yeah, bloody good. Recording on a Thursday, a bit different. Mm. Um, but just that's fine. We like it that way. It's because someone um, wants to go down south for a little holiday. <laughs> that's next week, mate. But it's actually, um, yeah, I've got someone on tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's Dad's birthday today, so I called him up this morning and gave him a good call and said, "Happy birthday, you beautiful man!" <laughs> and um, yeah, he made him laugh. So um, yeah, it's been a good day. I'm really looking forward to this episode. And I'll introduce our guest, Lily Grizel. He's a good friend of mine, long-time supporter of Switched On. Um, it's been running her own mental health and well-being platform called How To Be Well since 2019 from the age of 18. And um, she's also studying a Bachelor in Psychology, Exercise and Sports Science and is a Lifeline Ambassador. Another long description for a, for a guest, <laughs> but we love that. How are you going, Lily? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Really can again into today's episode. Can you, but, um, can you re- reread that? <laughs> Mate, oh, Mate, I was rapping, okay? Like, so... Bachelor in Psychology, Exercise Sports Science, Lifeline Ambassador, Wellbeing, How to Be Well. Like, my God, the IQ yes. level on this podcast is going to be good today. About <laughs> time. Hopefully, had, hopefully. Last week we had anything. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like that after uni. It's like, it's been a hectic SEMS. Like, what have I actually, okay, what have I actually got to reflect? What have I actually learned? And then. Um, I feel like it's like once the exam's done, it's out of your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, you've just actually you've actually got an exam today, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Couple hours. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Why are you in <laughs> That's okay. Why are you here? Procrastination. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> it's good procrastination. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling about it all? Oh, all right. I'm keen to get it done. You know, my graduate diploma year, so extra year. Um, it's been good. Uh, yeah, it'll be a big relief once it's done, and then I could feel like I can fully. Switch off, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or switch on to other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into the first like proper question, I have actually seen one of the things you've been doing on your How To Be Well um, page. It was like you've been going along, around Curtin and doing some of the sticky notes in the cars like because of the exam period just to sort of uplift people. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, was really like thought that was a really cool thing. And um, yeah, what are some of the things you've been writing on them? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I was trying to keep them like a bit lighthearted yeah. and just, um, um, just like a little uplift, you know, for people to walk back. Obviously, if they're at uni, they would have just finished an exam or been sitting in the library studying. So, um, I thought it'd be like a cute little thing for them to come back to. But um, there was like two different ones that I've just been putting on. I think one of them was um, just like a little motivational one where it's like a keep keep pushing like you've got this far um like Mm. you can go just this little bit more um and then I think the other one was like oh like get busy studying you can think about that trip to Europe after (laughs) or something like that so yeah yeah, just something like a little bit lighthearted to kind of 
lift up their spirits, I guess, and try to reduce their stress a little bit. Love that. Love that's, that. That's incredible. Eh? Like, yeah. Imagine, was you just sticking them on like, the cars? Yeah, they're just like little flyers, like A5 size, and I was just like putting them under their um, windscreen wipers. I was a bit stressed because like, I was thinking they're going to come back and think they've got like a parking fine <laughs> from their car. Like, like, imagine, imagine like, oh no, but you just see it. Yeah, and build just, them down, just yeah. drop them all and then you go over and, and then you see this like quote or message and you're like, oh. Yeah, oh. exactly. Love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're getting to the actual first question as we always do. Lily, what did you do to get switched on this morning? This morning? Um... I well, obviously, I'm very well, not obviously, but um, I'm very in, into like fitness and staying fit. So uh, this morning I was up and did a six o'clock gym session um, at Fitstop, which is where I work. Um, so I went and did the session there, and then honestly just uh, went home, um, kind of planned out my day, thought about what study I need to cram in this last the last few hours, um, get everything set up, have a shower, get set up for the day. And I guess, yeah, plan out what the day is going to look like and kind of get motivated. And then came here, you know, it's bright and early. So yeah, (laughs) still the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Sounds like you're pretty switched on. And um, I actually know yeah, you're very into your fitness and we'll get into that part of that aspect, but you're actually training for a a marathon coming up. Oh yeah. I am. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes up too much, but I'm, I am literally starting at zero. Um, yeah, never been a runner. I've always tried, but like I feel like it's just never gotten better, and I've never been able to like push past that um, little extra bit. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. So, you know. A couple of weeks ago, I was struggling to run 500 meters, and I did three k's nonstop the other day. So, that's something about something wrong. <laughs> no, I think it's just Robbie um, on the screen is <laughs> doing his own thing. But oh, that's okay, funny. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt that. Just like, that's okay. That um, but yeah, so got to three k nonstop the other day. Yeah, um, I got a five k. Gotta start somewhere. Up. Yeah, exactly. Five k coming up, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I get to the 42, but. No. Yeah, we'll see how we go. You got this slow and steady, slow and steady. Um, so on on that though, I want to touch on Bob, quickly. I was, just, I was about to ask you, would you get switched on here? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll we'll go back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did I do to get switched on, mate? This sun, I've been getting up like a little bit earlier, which I'm actually loving. Um, because I have been a bit jealous of a mate of ours that's been getting up at four fifty every morning. Um, Harry. You know, oh, uh, yeah. obviously, yeah. blues and greens. But uh, so I was like, it's been good. The sun's been helping me up. So been getting about quarter past five. And it's actually been wicked. Like, go for a walk, come back. And I normally set my intentions the night before, mm. but I've been rewriting them out in the morning. And it's been, like, huge. So, like, for my productivity, like, to actually get things done. So that's something that's really switching me on at the moment is – like you, you sort of said about your intentions, right? Is doing the mm-hmm. same thing is writing down the three main intentions that I want to get done, but also the three main intentions of how I want to show up. Mm. So I think that's been like switching me on because I can reflect back to that. So that's what I did this morning, mate. And it's actually been really good. It's been a good week in terms of doing that. Bloody oath, man. But I think you told you started doing that probably what like. Oh, after the men's session. Yeah, yeah. it was a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, and that made me reflect ago, yeah. on it again. And I'm like, yeah. So mm. that's what I've been doing, man. What about you? I've been yeah, sometimes when I sometimes I forget to do it the night before, but if not, I've like even as of late I've been doing them in the morning. Like as I'm just laying there, it's still just kind of like half asleep. As I'm like waking up, getting ready just before I get out of, out of bed and make my bed, I just like set the intentions. Like, all right, my intention is to um, like still focus on my health or like diet diet today go for go to the exercise my intention is to be kind my intention is to show some gratitude in some kind of way and then get up and walk down to the park this morning and because i don't have a chin-up bar at home and not i'm inspired by a mate of mine as well <laughs> like <laughs> this law is some inspiration to me it was like um ned brockman i don't know how he's still doing it at the moment but just with him and his chin-ups oh my god like did you i'm glad you did you see <laughs> 
his Instagram, right? He's up at three o'clock in the morning the other day yeah, doing chin ups. I'm like, bruh, <laughs> go to so, bed. And he's like, good morning. Oh, good night to other people. Yeah. And I just laughed. I was like, this yeah. bloke. That's why I think sometimes when I go to work, because if I have the morning session at work, um, I'm up at like four and I'm thinking like, some people like people, bed. yeah. There's people are coming home from the night out sometimes on yeah. the morning. Yeah. One of the um one of the funniest things is when you're in Esperance and the the local snake pit, which is the the nightclub. <laughs> uh, when I was back home and like wasn't 18 yet, so you'd like get up and go for a run and stuff, and you remember. People were like walking home because I used to live. Probably. You were back probably like now, an, weren't you? <laughs> no, so was, yeah, you were like it was like to where I lived was like an hour walk, right? Eventually, because they're all drunk and that, so they're getting home at like five thirty, six o'clock, and you're yeah, just right. running. And <laughs> you see these old like old older people. It is so funny. Yeah, it's polar opposites. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, but yeah, um, I've been yeah really trying to focus on the chin ups lately. So it's just within within got my Ned hat on, got the keep showing up hat on there. So just been. Trying to smash some of those out, but yes, um, yeah, we love that. We're all switched on. Anyway, yes. we've me and you have talked a lot here already. We don't normally talk this much at the start. <laughs> I don't think. It's okay. So, let's dive into you. You tell us, I guess, a bit about you, and then I want to get back to my question because I'm really intrigued. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, a bit about me. Oh, tough question. I hate this question. <laughs> Same. Um, well, yeah, I guess some. 22, just about to finish my graduate diploma in psychology this year. Um, I've been running, I guess, this Instagram page called How To Be Well for actually just hit four years the other day. Um, So yeah, it started when I was 18. um, And essentially that page is just about being super authentic and sharing my real and true experiences through life and through mental illness. Um, So currently I'm diagnosed with three mental illness. Um, I've got PTSD, clinical depression and social and um, just generalised anxiety, but I kind of just tend to put that into one category. Um, And yeah, I guess when I was diagnosed, um, I felt super lost and I was very unsure of what was kind of going on and what it all meant and I'd never really heard of anybody else um, kind of talking about having a mental illness or struggling with their mental health and I know that the moment that I opened up and I spoke to somebody about it, it actually relieved me of so much extra stress and um, helped me kind of work through it a lot more and so then I just got... I just started thinking like why was it so hard for me to talk about it and why is it so silenced if just talking about it helped me to such an extent. Um, So uh, as scary and as daunting as it was, I I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to create this page and I'm just going to be super upfront and be like, hey, guys, um, I've got three mental illnesses. This is what's going on. This is what's truly happening behind the scenes. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment or kind of what I'm most passionate about doing at the moment. And that's probably the main things about me. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, I mean, we kind of talked previously before the potty is like, as to the passion as to why we do things like this. And, um, one of the things you mentioned, I wonder if you can elaborate on is that Mm -hmm. aspect of early intervention um, yeah. because as you mentioned, like you've, you've gone through it a lot yourself and we can go into more of your story. Um, but in you wanting to create this page and sort of create a community where others might experience something like that might be going through something similar, but someone to talk to in that early intervention stage. So yes, yeah, wondering if you could elaborate on that passion and why, what, how that drives what you want to do. Yeah. Well, I guess I know that my mental illness um, stems from my experiences when I was younger. Um, So I was an elite gymnast um, for eight years of my life. And in gymnastics, you're expected to peak at a very young age. You know, the year I turned 16, you're considered a senior athlete. Um, So I was starting 
that intense training when I was in year three, so I was eight years old. Um, you know, I was training 36 hours a week at the gym and trying to work through school. You know, I still had the same requirements as everyone else did at school. Um, I was, but I was just missing three periods of it a day. Um, you know, so my routine was insane. Now that I look back at it, I don't understand how I was doing that and how I was functioning. You know, I struggled to sit through one lecture now mm. <laughs> and I'm like, how was I waking up at five, training for three hours, going to school, coming back to training for four and then going home, doing homework, going to bed and then repeating that six days a week. Yeah. Um, so when you're young as well, that's when your main schemas and your main ideas about the world are being developed and um, your brain actually goes through this thing called pruning where um, the neurons that are least used kind of get pushed to the back or are eliminated because they want those efficient pathways and the ones that are used the most come more to the front. Yeah. And the environment that I was in was extremely toxic and, you know, I was emotionally abused. Um, so every day I was being told things I wasn't good enough, I was overweight, I was never going to make it, um, you know, I wasn't strong enough. Just lots of comparison between other girls. Um, and so those were the things that were being most used so those were the ideas and the views of myself and of the world that were pushed to the front to at a at the age of like 14 15 younger yeah so like at the age of eight that was what I was being told so by the time that I was um by the time that I was a teenager or going through adolescence those were the things that were like at the front of my brain that was like my core beliefs so that's the perception you had of the world yourself like that literally created everything yeah, so then that's what I believed about everything, you know. Because mm. I, I was being told those words all the time. That's what I started to believe of myself, you know. I started to believe that I wasn't good enough, I didn't deserve to be here, um, that I was overweight, that I was never going to make it, you know. All those things that I was being told is what I was... It was ingrained into my brain to believe to be true. So... From the age of eight to 16, being told that is what I believed. And then when I was out of that system, I still believed those things in anything that I did in life. So I guess my passion with like early intervention is to create an environment or be that person that, you know, if someone has experienced a similar thing or is in a similar situation to like be that person to be like, no, that's not the truth and kind of prevent those ideas of the world being formed in the first place mm. so that, you know, we don't have the future where that's what they truly believe is the truth and generate those maladaptive thoughts. Like we don't want that to happen. Incredible. It's, yeah. It reminds me of a, um, I listened to a podcast the other day and it was about... Um, the interview was in regards to like perceptions of the world and, and how people see people and it was about youth and how youth are coming up and, and growing up but how everyone like that's older, like coaches, like you just said, like teachers, society, everything just puts this, I guess, shadow over what their perception should be. This is what the world is. This is who you are. This is what beliefs you should follow. And literally that's like, I don't want to say, and I hope this doesn't offend you, but that's like the, I guess, catalyst for your mental health and, and what deteriorated you and, and I guess sent you into the possible disorders that you have at the moment. Like, Yeah. Well, it, 100%, that's where I feel like it's all stemmed from as well. And I do know that like the beliefs that or the maladaptive thinking that I do have in my depression are those thoughts that I was being told when I was younger, you know. When I do fall, when I do um, have days that I step backwards, 
I do catch myself where I'm telling myself, you're not good enough, nobody likes you, nobody wants to be your friend, um, you know, you're pathetic, you don't deserve or you'll never make anything in this world. So I do know that those are the thoughts that do catch me and I can look back and be like, well, those were the things that I was being told when I was growing up. So that's seen as, that was, growing up, that's seen as normal. So for you, it would have been seen as normal. So to be able to, over, over that eight years from eight to 16, you would have thought getting compared to people, getting told that, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, all these things is just normal. So you wouldn't have been like, oh, like these thoughts aren't normal, so I need to talk to someone about it because being ingrained at such a young age, you would have just thought that's what the world is, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I did believe was normal. That was the environment that I was in 80% of the time. You know, I was seeing coaches and support staff more than I was seeing my own family. And, um, yeah, I didn't know any different. And, sorry, we were like, that's what we were told makes an elite athlete. And I guess that's what I believed, you know. You believe the people that are superior to you when you're younger. And I didn't know any different from it, yeah. Mm. How um, how did you deal with that at the time? Because obviously awareness of yourself and awareness of mental health at that time is probably not very well known. So, like, I'm just curious as to how you dealt with that in that environment at the time, not knowing any different. Because like you, yeah. you would have, you would have kept that, you would have kept that persistence and kept showing up. Yeah. Um. I think a lot of my drive was in fear. Um. And. I guess, I was ultimately scared of coaches and support staff. You know because, I based my whole self worth on what they thought of me. And I could never believe, like, if I thought I had a good training session, but they said no, like what you did was rubbish, then that's what I would think. And then ultimately, uh, the only time I was switched on was in the gym. And then as soon as I got home, it was like, I didn't want to talk about it. Mm. So I know, like, I remember every time my parents would come pick me up, they'd be like, oh, how was your session? Like, what did you do? And I'd be like, like, mm, like I don't want to talk about it. And I wouldn't talk about it with them. Mm. And wow. um, like we did have a psychologist. We had a sports psychologist who I guess like it would be very difficult to, to deal with such like a young population. Um, but we were also told to like toughen up and not ask for help and, you know, deal with things on your own. So, you know, I would go into my psych sessions and he'd be like, or how's school going? How's it going at the gym? And I'd just be like, good. Like, we were so closed off and we were so shut mm. off because that's what we were taught was the right thing to do. And even with school, if I was struggling with something or I didn't understand a topic at school, I would never ask for help because I was like, I have to deal with this on my own. I Like, if I ask for help, like, I'm not tough. And we were taught to, like, shut off all our emotions. And if we were, ha- if we were got it, if we were getting frustrated or having a tough session because gymnastics is a super frustrating sport. A lot of people like don't understand gymnastics and I think they don't understand how physically and mentally demanding it is. Physically, it's insane. Like I look back at the strength things that I was doing that weren't good enough and I'm thinking now, like how was I even doing that? Mm. Like that's crazy. Um, And then mentally as well, it's... It's about the sport's about perfection, and if you weren't achieving perfection, like you weren't good enough, and so it got super frustrating. And like any other person, or especially young person, and someone going through adolescence, your emotions are all over the place, and they're very hard to read and interpret because they're very new, and um, you know you would get emotional, you would get angry you would get upset you would cry and if we cried we would shut out the room like go away don't come back till you're ready to do your work properly you know we were told that crying is a weakness and that sort of thing so I guess ultimately I just switched off and I would show up 
like in fear that I would disappoint my coaches. Mm. And so whatever the coach wanted is what I would do and nothing else kind of mattered. So you wow. basically switched off from being a human. <laughs> like yeah. not feeling emotions, like not doing what you want to do, not doing the things that make you happy. Yeah. Like to have emotions is human. To have positive, well, empowering, disempowering emotions, to feel like angry, frustrated, happy, joy, optimistic, like that's human. But you just had to put this mask on and be like, nah. Yeah. Just like, but you talk about fear. What was the biggest, there's different aspects of fear. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest driver? Like fear of failure, fear of like succeeding, fear of not being good enough. Like, um, is there one that sticks out? I guess ultimately, like I said before, the fear of disappointment, of like disappointing my family and my coaches because my family sacrificed a lot for that sport as well, you know, because I was so young. Um, they would drive me to training. They would pick me up. They'd take me to school. They'd take me back to training. You know, they would wake up bright and early in the morning to take me and um, they sacrificed a lot of family vacations because we had to ask permission from the coaches if we wanted to go on a family holiday so if we could have that time off. Um, so, yeah, they sacrificed a lot. So, you know, disappointing my family was probably one thing and then also my coaches because obviously, like I said, all my self-worth was put in their hands. So if I disappointed them then I disappointed myself and like I was basically a failure. And then I guess also failure was probably one of the biggest ones as well because I was dedicating so much time and, you know, being the gymnast and um, and the 2020 Olympics was like my whole purpose in life. And so if I didn't get to that, then like what was I here for, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's um. What got you into it? Um. And what kept you in it? I think. Well. Like eight years old. Like I was still picking my nose. Like. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must have had like some passion for yeah, it. Yeah, especially like, like to go straight into it. Like I guess everyone like you do Oz kick for us. Mm. That sort of stuff. But yeah, what what drove you into gymnastics? Um. Well, my older sister she did it. Um. So like just like any younger sister would do, like follow in their footsteps. Um, So, yeah, I just did it because my older sister did it um, at just like the local club and then turned out that I was had quite a natural ability at it. So When did you first start? Oh, you probably – like when I was six maybe. Okay. Yeah. You start gymnastics very young. There's some girls that go to the elite program when they're four. Yeah, Mm. right. Yeah. So – um. Yeah, just because my sister did it and, yeah, it just turned out that I had quite a good natural ability and I was quite strong in my upper body. So mum was like, oh, let's just, like, see what you do and see how you go. So, um, yeah, she just, like, put me in a trial, like, at the um, at the Institute of Sport. And, um, yeah, they were like yeah, she's good enough, she can come join. And then I guess that was just like the norm to me. I don't know. I just never thought about not doing it or um, like that I even had the option. It was kind of just like, oh, yeah, she's good enough, she can come train, she starts training on Monday. And so it was just Mm. like, oh, okay, I guess like this is what I do now. And straight into it. Yeah. Wow. Um, Just with like kind of the things that we've sort of covered um, within your story, I still like – I mean, like, like kind of in awe, like, well, it's gone, you've gone through a lot and thank you for your vulnerability and, vulnerability and honesty. Um, I still, like, when I, when I hear it, and we've talked about it previously before, um, but I still can't help but relate it in a way to Brayden, like your story in, it, in that sense, like attaching your identity to that, to that kind of sport and your self-worth and that aspect. Like, um, I mean, even just like talking about it now, like it must like rid- I know, reduce that kind of stigma around it. It's like, well, this person's going through it as well. It's quite common. Yeah, like I um when you when you were talking about it before, I was just like reflecting. It's it's true, man. Like 
I'm actually I was doing a um writing up a little piece before about it once I sort of Tom sent the notes through and I started looking and diving into more about, you know, your identity and, and how you attached it because there's so many professional athletes that tie themselves up to this identity. And for for everyone, like it doesn't work out. It's not the be all and end all that, you know, you don't have the fifteen year footy career or the go to the Olympics and win gold medals for gymnastics. Like and when you say you tied everything up to it, I was the exact same. Right. And reflecting on that is you don't become human because you literally your job is your life. And I don't know about you, but mine became I loved footy. Footy was everything. Kid, like, you know, you'd go after school, you'd go on the weekends, like, you know, growing up. And then as soon as I became, you know, probably two two years in, it became a job and it became a chore. It became just this thing where you're like, the biggest thing was when you said, you think you play well, you think you train well, or you think you've done a good performance, you get off the track and you're watching a video review and they're like, mate, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that, you didn't run this right pattern, and you're like, well, I thought I played well. Obviously, yeah. I didn't, and then you get your expectations so mixed up, and then you're like, well, I'm just a crap footballer, I don't know the right patterns, I'm not smart, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be like this, and it does really affect your mental health, right? And as soon as mine got taken away from me, like, I was nowhere. Like, I was just was this complete, I don't know even how to describe it, like, just wasn't myself at all. I'd, like, lost my purpose, my passion, my soul. But it helped me realise, like, who I was as a person. And it wasn't probably until, you know, a year after where I accepted it and it took a while and it's still hard to not identify as that because I don't know about you but do you ever get like people come up and say um Lily used to be like ex-gymnast she was really good or things like that because sometimes I'll go into a speak uh, at a school or wherever and it's like oh we got Braden here ex-AFL footballer and it's not that I don't like that or I don't like getting identified as that it just it's not me anymore and it's not who I am and I would rather get, we talk about um, identity, who you are as a person and like you get asked that question, who are you? And a lot of people, we've mentioned it before, will say I'm a boiler maker, I'm a cleaner, I'm a mum but like for me I don't want to be a footballer, I don't want to be facilitator, I want to be a genuine kind human being that cares for other people and that's how I identify as myself, right? So yeah, it, it's um, it's pretty emotional for me listening to your story um, and what you've been through, how you identified as that and what you've turned it into now because it's sort of the same, right? You turned that pain into purpose. Mm. Um, I, know I just rambled on for a little oh, bit. Thanks for no, that, Bubba. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's tough um, and I think it's a lot more common for athletes to go through what we have than we realise. Um, which is why I think there should be a lot more support on reti- with retired athletes and athletes that are just like freshly retired because it is very common for athletes to have their whole identity in the sport. And because it's romanticised, right? Yeah. Like, it's the it's the best thing ever. Being a professional athlete is so amazing. Yeah. Until. Yeah. I just like, I think... When I was going through it as well, I don't actually remember a time where I loved the sport. Um, Like I used to, when I remember explicitly in year seven, I don't know if it's because I was so young when I started it at at an elite level, which is why I don't remember it. But I remember one time like in year seven, I had a teacher come up to me and she was like, you must love the sport so much. Like if you train this hard and train... And then I replied, like, I was like, yeah, like, I love it. Mm. But I remember thinking to myself, I was like, no, like, (laughs) I don't love it. Like, it's just what I do. Um, And even then, I think back, like, in year seven, that's what I was thinking. And I was in that program until halfway through year 11. So all those years of, like, believing that I didn't enjoy it and I still, like, pushed through it and I still stuck to it because that was who I was. And I didn't know what I was without it. 
And then, yeah, when I did quit in halfway through year 11, obviously I had that label had formed around me at school because I wasn't there half the time. And it was like, where's Lily? Oh, she's at gymnastics. And I was the gymnast at school. And, you know, I believe that I had people that wanted to be my friend because I was going to the 2020 Olympics. Um, so when I did quit, I was like, I'm going to lose all my friends. And I just remember going downhill really fast and being like, what am I even doing here? What do I do with my life? What is my purpose? Like, there's no point of me being here anymore. Like, I'm not going to achieve anything great. And I'm a failure and I should just give up pretty much. And then, yeah, it was it was hard and it was hard trying to learn how to live a normal life as well because I didn't know what that looked like. And I had a lot of struggle, struggle socialising because... You know, I didn't go to social things. The only time I was social was at recess and lunch at school. Anything out of school, I wasn't able to attend because um, I had gym. And, you know, I did love sport, but, and I was very interested in, you know, starting another sport, but I didn't know what because I wasn't allowed to participate in any other sport. Um, So I wasn't allowed to do PE at school because they didn't want to risk an injury. So... I had never actually tried anything else. So I was like, well, like I don't I don't even know where to start. And I was like, I'm 16, I'm too old to start from zero out of sport because um, you know, like that's embarrassing if I'm if I don't even know how to, you know, kick a ball or f- throw something and so I was just very very lost and well, yeah, here I am ended up playing cricket, so <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see, but yeah. Cricket nowadays, yeah. yeah. Um, when did you decide that you'd had enough with gymnast- gymnastics and you wanted to move on? Um, I probably would have been at the start of year 11. Yeah. So. And why, why was that? I like literally just like reached break breaking point. Yeah. Like I was. Can you remember the moment? <clears throat> I can't remember the moment exactly, but, you know, I'd gone through like, multiple surgeries my body was just broken like I would have had a stress fracture in both shins both wrists like both ribs but um you know you would still train through stress fractures um and so you know my body was broken but mentally I was like you know my sister says to me now she's like I remember when when mum would come wake you up at 5.30 every morning and I would just hear you crying in your bed for like 10 minutes before you actually got up and like pulled yourself together and like got dressed. So it was just like, um, like mentally and physically, I was just done. And I just hated, like hated walking through those doors. And like the only reason I remember staying was because of like the other girls training, you know, they were like my sisters. And I would go and, you know, no matter how much I'd get yelled at for talking because that was a distraction and we weren't allowed to talk to each other during the session. Um, But, yeah, I didn't care no matter how many times I got yelled at for talking. Like, that was the only reason I was there was to socialise with them and to catch up. Yeah, so, I mean, by the end, that was probably the sole reason that I was there and I'd, like, given up. And then, yeah, eventually I was like, they were all leaving, they were all quitting and I was like, nah, I can't do this anymore. Um, but yeah, I think the hardest part of that was like actually telling my parents that like I wanted to not do it anymore. Were they supportive of that decision? Um, in the end they were, I mean, it was hard for them to hear, um, as you would believe, like, you know, they had dedicated so much time to, towards it as well. So, you know, they were obviously a little bit disappointed at the start. Um, but yeah, I guess now they do realise that it was, like, obviously the best thing for me. Yeah. yeah. that That's incredible. Like, at 16 to be able to be aware of that. But what's what's popping up in my head is the, the Olympic side of things in terms of, like, I think Usain Bolt said that that quote is, I trained four years to run nine seconds or whatever it is. Like, yeah. it's so true. Have you watched the documentary Chasing Gold? No, I haven't. Watch it because it's all about 
like interviews Olympic athletes, but it's about the mental side of it and how you, I guess, chasing achievements, goals, and this one thing, this one gold medal. And if you don't achieve it, you're a failure. Yeah. Right. Like coming second, coming third, like, don't get me wrong, it would suck. Like, you would be so flat because you're so close. But you're the third best gymnast in the world. You're the third best swimmer and freestyle in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's an achievement in itself. But I just feel like, especially Olympics, it's you work so hard for something that could literally like, oh, I'm a bit tight in the hammy on a on my race day and you can't explode. Or, you know, you might not sleep well or you might have a little whatever it might be, right? And that yeah. one day that you're meant to perform mm. could be wrong or you might have eaten something wrong at whatever it could be, right? The stars have to align, hey. Yeah, yeah. and it's that's why it's... I watched that documentary, but I respect, and just hearing you from eight to sixteen to be doing what you did is is incredible. Especially getting out, studying because we're going to probably touch on it soon. But psychology, you're doing study. Like you got to be smart to be studying psychology and exercise science, sports science, and you're training. You're going to school. You're studying. Like still doing all of that. Like that's pretty incredible for a well, you know, you were in 13, 14, 15, like, how did you even work that out? Like, that you um, wanted to do that stuff? I don't know if it was more of a, like, a thing that I worked out how to do, but it was just more of a thing that was just trained into me that that's just what I had to do, you know? Um, like, I do... Like, if I go, if I look back and remember the times, like, I thought that that was very normal. Um, but even now when I work with kids, um, like, I work with eight-year-olds and I'm like, like, damn, like, I was a lot more independent and a lot more, I guess, like, developed in certain areas than I should have been. Um, and I think that that's also been one of the problems in me now is that I actually missed key fundamental stages of development and experiences that you're meant to learn things from and I was pushed straight from you know seven years old I'm still learning how to manage life and and everything to all of a sudden I'm eight years old and I'm traveling without my parents packing all my bags you know expected to set alarms for myself eat for myself like I was expected to do everything myself at eight you know we were told that when we would go to um training camps at the AIS like our parents wouldn't come with us we were told like that they weren't allowed to come with us and contact with them was very limited and we had to you know understand our own schedule what our training schedule was like the next day. You know, we had to prep, um, you know, our uniforms. We had very specific uniforms. So, you know, I had to make sure that I had that all laid out myself. There was no guidance. And then if you didn't do that, you would, like, be crucified. It was like, why weren't you more prepared? Why weren't you more organised? And, you know, at the AIS, you have the big food dining hall and we were expected to go up and pick the right amounts of protein and, and food for our own plate and, you know, their coaches would then come down and they would walk around and be like, why do you have that on your plate? Like, is that in your diet? And you're like, I don't know. I just wanted like a sticky date pudding. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it was just like wow. I feel like I just went from like zero to 1,000 all of a sudden and then that was just the norm for me. And I like stuck to a very specific routine all the time and it was like, bam 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 even in the school holidays they were like great school holidays means no school more time for us mm. and it would be training in the morning and then we would come to the um, main building and we would have like developmental sessions and things like that and we would go strength and conditioning training where we would be lifting heavy weights and um in between and then we'd go straight back to training and then we would be in that building all day and then it'd be like home time and it would be us like having to organize ourselves and it was like what eight-year-old do you know can like pack their own suitcase like mm. 
it's just, yeah, what we were expected to do was like on another level. Yeah, well, you say you missed like some certain stages of development, but I think in those sort of aspects, like you skyrocketed, like in, yeah. in those aspects, like in terms of independence. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's like, you know, you don't learn how to ask for help and you don't learn that a trial and error phase where like, oh, I'm going to try, try this and oh, that was a bad thing to do. And I'm not going to do that. that yeah. failure is okay. Yeah. 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 So, oh well. And finding your interests as well. Like, like you just said, 16, you're like, oh, I don't want to start something new or, you know, but you started, you mentioned cricket. Are you playing at the moment? Yeah. Yep. When did you start that? And what, um, like, because there'll be some people out there, right, we'll get into the cricket in a minute, but that are scared to try something new. So what's your advice on if someone is in the same, that we're in a similar situation doing something just because, you know, they're getting forced into it or told into it and don't really know what they'd like to do. Yeah. What's some strategies or mechanisms um, you, you could give advice on? I think, honestly, um, just do it. <laughs> um, for a long time, like after I stopped, I was 100% a perfectionist and I wouldn't try anything unless I know, knew that I was going to be the best at it. You know, I felt like part of the reason of me not trying a sport is because, well, I haven't had all that training and I'm not going to go into a sport and be the best at it. And that stopped me from trying anything new. And I've learnt to push myself out of my comfort zone. I remember we actually had an assignment in my first or my second year of uni um, and we were, it was about like adherence to exercise and we were tasked to go try something new without a friend. So we had to go on our own and then um, report like back on it and like write about our experiences. And that was the most daunting, awful, horrible assignment that I remember ever having, ever having. I was like, what sort of an assignment is this? I hate this. And I had the most sickening feeling in my tummy, like actually doing it. And I like went and did it and I was like, oh, like after it, I was just like a big relief. But then I was like, oh, like I'm actually okay, mm. <laughs> you know? And I think the first step honestly is just with a lot of things is just taking that first step and doing it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you want to do it and if it's something that interests you, just give it a go because if you're not great at it, like, who really cares, to be mm. honest? And um, you might end up loving it. Like, 100%. I've gone into cricket and I absolutely love it. Like, I love the girls and I, and I love the games on Sunday and just, like, that whole team environment is very different to me. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, now it's something that I get excited to go and do. Yeah. I love that. I, it even kind of reminds me of like in the sense where say if I, in my brain, it's like I get encouraged to, I might want to try and do something, but there's always that voice in your head as well. It's like, nah, like can't be bothered. Like it's just yourself telling yourself you can't be bothered. But I'm just like, and then I kind of overcome that. I end up doing it mm. and I was like, you feel better from doing it. And because there's obviously been instances where I don't do it and you kind of feel like guilty after. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just had a question that's gone before. I mean, I'm not sure if this is jumping ahead of yours, Brayden, before or not. But um, just in terms of like how after the you left the gym and then like things started coming crashing down. And then yeah. I was just sort of like wondering like how you sort of began to regain hope or like began to build yourself back up again, how you might be able to share, others might be able to do that as well. Yeah, uh, it was very, very hard um, because obviously the things that I had been taught, you know, like don't ask for help, like seeking help is a sign of weakness. Um, so I took it all on my own for a very, very long time and I became very irritable, very moody, and I can remember like the exact moment that, you know, m me and my mum were having like a bit of an argument and I ended up storming off. And then I just like 
went outside and I was lying down and I was crying. And then she was like, what's wrong? Like, what's your problem? And then I just like ended up breaking down in front of her and saying like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sad all the time. I don't, I know I don't have a reason to be sad, but like, I don't want to be here. And I like solely believe that that moment in time is what saved my life. Like, I think if I never broke down in front of mum and if I never like actually opened up and told her what I was feeling, I wouldn't be here today anymore. And like I think the number one thing that like that moment didn't help me regain hope, but that moment opened up the doors for hope, I think. And Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, after that mum said, All right, let's go see your GP and then um we went to the GP and then he referred me to a psychologist, which I absolutely hated. Um, and then I didn't want to, I didn't want to see someone else for ages. But then I, he referred me to someone else, and I eventually was like, fine. I like gave in, and I love her so much. Like I get excited to go to our appointments because I'm like, yes, I get to have a big gossip session with Amy. Like can't <laughs> wait. Um, and like, she probably has helped me regain the most hope just working with her um but ultimately I think just being open and sharing my experiences just helps you have such a weight off your shoulders and helps you kind of refocus your thoughts to what the truth like I have a lot of issues with my body image and you know some days I can't look in the mirror because I like hate my face and I hate who I am and you know I think finding her has helped me kind of like re, re really learn how to refocus my thoughts and you know I was in the session with her once and she was like what is it actually that you hate about your face and I was like well like it's all wonky when I look in the mirror and she just like cracked up laughing and she was like you think that people don't want to be your friends because you're your friend because your face is wonky and it's just like oh like I guess not like mm. it's just a great way like talking to people to like reshape your thoughts and then eventually you know it does get better and I know it can be very hard at times to be able to see outside that like black hole but like it does get closer and it does get closer and like it does come like what you feel doesn't last forever and any emotion that you feel, it's never going to be there forever. Happiness, what you feel, happiness in a moment, it's not going to last forever. So, like, sadness or how you feel in that moment is also not going to last forever. And it's just being patient and learning how to work through those tough moments. Mm. Beautifully said. Very, very much. Yeah. And to work out who you are, is it's tough, right? It's tough to do. But I think there's a few ways you can do it, right? Like... For me, when, when I was talking, like, and just reflecting on that is you breaking down in, in front of your mum was probably the best thing that happened to you, right? Mm. So that just comes back to that thing that's not weak to speak, right? Yeah. And I'm the same. When I had my first conversation, it was the best thing, right? But then from there, I was like, well, who who am I as a person? How do I figure that out? And I think there's a few ways, and I just want to quickly touch on it. It's like you said experiencing things, right? Like you said, just trying new things throw yourself out there like at least one time a week right just do that for a month do it for two months that's four or eight new things you've tried like it could be you know you might not be a beach person going to the beach grabbing a coffee or it might be going to a dance performance or it might be whatever like whatever right try these new experiences oh i did like that why did i like it i didn't like it why didn't i like it right my biggest one was probably journaling like I didn't know how to journal. I didn't. I just wanted to get my thoughts out. And then when you read back on this, like, okay, this this is what didn't really make me happy. This is what made me happy. Maybe I am into this. And then, like, we always talk about reflecting on your values. Like, what do you actually value in yourself and as a person and in the world? And then you can start to, like, work out your beliefs, start to work out your principles, and you can, then you can really reflect on, I think, who you are as a person. So that would be my top top three like little things that I can if you're out there and you're struggling with who you are or what you want to do it's experience things journal a little bit to understand yourself and then 
experience different things, interests, your passions, whatever I guess you want to dive into. Mm. Yeah. So do you journal? Um, I do, but I also use like my Instagram page as kind of my mm. journal. Um, just because like I do try to stay as authentic as I can with it. And like often I'll just be thinking and I'll like have the end of the day and I was like, wow, like, like I should write a post about that and I should share that with people. So I'll often like write it in my notes first before I create a post. Like if I get my like notes page up from like the, like that goes on for ages and ages of just like things that I've been feeling and like all the posts that I've like had. Yeah. So I'll often just like write down all my emotions and what I feel like on my notes on my phone. And then that's kind of like my form of journaling because in my opinion, journaling can be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be specific. It doesn't have to be in any sort of form. If it's through drawing, then you can have a drawing journal. Like there's no specific way to journal and there's no right way to do it. It's just whatever you feel is right and whatever helps you get your emotions out there. Mm-hmm. In the way that you've been able to use your page as your form, form of journaling, like you just mentioned, you've been able to sort of inspire or like paint a, a mentally brighter future for other people as well. And um, I love the page. I've been following it for a while now. And I also noticed in the way that you've actually been able to get some recognition for the page in the form of, I think, like the Young Achiever Awards. Yeah. Been, that's been pretty exciting. Yeah, that has been cool. Um, yeah, I've been uh, recognised in like a few awards and um, things like that, which is special because, you know, a lot of the work that I do is online and it's not often that you do get recognition from it because it's, you know, it's online, people read it, people like react to it, but mm. that's like just about it. So sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, is what I'm doing actually helping people? Like, are, are people even reading it? Um, so, you know, just to get those, like, small little um, types of recognition is always, like, really helpful and, I guess, uplifting that it's like, oh, like, it is actually helping somebody, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was both last year and this year, was it? Um, well, there's been a few. Um, so one of them... A few, yeah, let's <laughs> listen. <laughs> Um, like last year was just like the council, like young citizen of the year. Mm. And then, um, I guess the, this year there was like WA young achiever. And then the most recent one was just, um, WA achiever, um, for like local legend was like the category, but yeah. So those are like the big three, I guess, that I've been recognized in. Oh, well. Bloody oath. Congratulations. <laughs> and it's because, like you said, people like, people comment, people react to a post or a story or whatever, but you don't actually see the difference yeah. or the impact you're making, right? And that's why you're doing it is to impact lives to help them live happier and healthier, yeah. right? And sometimes it's really hard because you, there's no metric to measure how much impact or if you're actually helping people. But yeah. that sort of shows that because people got to nominate you for these awards, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You, I'm assuming you're not nominating yourself, getting on there. <laughs> no. So, like, people are out there seeing what you're doing and are so happy with it that they're nominating you for these awards. And I know awards aren't everything, but in this area for you, that's probably how you're seeing the impact. Okay, this is actually how I'm having an impact. So, it's, if people are nominating for this, then what I'm doing is helping others. Yeah. I just think, like... Ultimately, my goal with this is, like, if I can save someone's life from suicide, then, like, that's my work done. Um, But it's just, like, it's amazing to see, I guess, how much impact just sharing just small parts of what I'm feeling has on people because, you know, I get girls that message me from school. Like, I went to an all-girls school, private girls school, so... I get girls from there that, you know, I wouldn't have spoken to at school or weren't in my, like, little clique or whatever. And, like, I get them messaging me sometimes just saying, like, oh, like, thank you. Like, you've really 
encouraged me to, you know, reach out and seek the help that um, I need. And I had a girl the other day, she reached out to me and she was like, oh, I had a crisis on the weekend, but I stayed hopeful because of how to be well and like I'm safe now and I have the support that I need. And just like those tiny little like sentences or comments that people send to me just like mean the whole world to me. It's like, okay, like that's so good to hear and like I've made that impact on somebody's life. Yeah, and that's the driving factor and that's why you do it. And and yeah, honestly, keep doing it. I'm so excited to see where that goes um because it's just such a good page such a good place to go to and yeah please let the listeners know like what's what's the instagram handle where can they reach it um it's called how to be well um but it's how underscore two underscore be yeah underscore well the two is a letter two yeah. a number two sorry <laughs> <laughs> well um we'll include it in the show notes for yeah. sure 100 um but yeah any anywhere else that we can reach you because i think you have a you have a website yeah, I've got a website, which is just how to be well. Yeah. Um, I think most of the time, if you just search up, like, how to be well, like, on Facebook as well, you know, website link is, like, in all the bios. Um, and what else do I have? Yeah. I think well, Instagram's, like, the main platform that I do use. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I am on most other platforms as well. I do have a TikTok, but I don't use that as much. Um, and yeah, Facebook, all my Instagram stuff is shared to the Facebook anyway. So it's all the same stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Listeners, go check it out, please. Yeah. Happy. Um, we've covered a lot in this episode and yep. thank you so much for sharing. But I'll just be like, before we f- do finish up, what's what's coming up? What do you got? Um, what's next for Lily and how and how to be well? Um, obviously next for Lily's this exam. Yes. Um, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> thank you. Um, and I've just announced a social series, um, with how to be well, which I've got the first event on next Saturday. Oh, cool. Um, which is, um, they're aiming to be free or as low cost as possible. Um, events, just simple events that are in the community. Um, and they're aimed to, get everyone involved but in particular uh people that might be struggling with anxiety or have just come out of you know a mental health ward in hospital or something like that they've just recovered and um you know are struggling to find that connection in society or in the community and are struggling to be involved um so yeah that's that one's starting next saturday which is just like a social beach walk um and then starting and finishing at the Orange Box uh, at Leighton Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, a few other things are planning there, which are, like, I'm planning to do, like, yoga in the park and just simple things like that that are mm-hmm. going to encourage and, you know, help people get back out in the community and hopefully reignite their spark. Um, and then, um, you know, I don't know, just trying to get the message out there, I guess. Um yeah, and awesome. just continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, listeners, get down. Share it with your friends and family. Tell them to get down as well. Awesome. If you, if you need any help, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> really. Um, but yeah, epic. Um, I'll pass off to Bubba if we get to the getting towards the end. Maybe the last question. The last question we ask is, who's someone in the last week that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for? Um, I think my mum. I'm always grateful for my mum. My mum's like my number one supporter you know she's she always encourages me to like keep doing how to be well and keep doing what I'm doing um you know but she's always looking out for me and she's always making sure that I'm looking after myself um and yeah she's just my number one supporter and she's always checking in on me she's always making sure I have my next psychologist appointment booked and um yeah she's just the most amazing mum in the world. Shout out to mum. What's your mum's name? Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie. She's in Amsterdam at the moment. She <laughs> left yesterday. <laughs> well, the listener in Amsterdam. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, would, she will listen as well. <laughs> what are you, my friend? Mate, I'm going to say Mr. Brian Ainsworth. <laughs> right across from me. Um, yeah, just because, yeah, you've been 
rock for me this week. Earlier in the week, we're going for a drive, and just the way that you really opened up and shared with me like the your takeaways from the weekend, just yeah, inspired me um, for one, and yeah, just really value that honesty and um, that vulnerability for me. So yeah, great for you, mate. And yeah, going to the school yesterday, getting to see you back in action and um, showing me the ropes. So as we start to facilitate more workshops, so yeah, thanks, big man. Thanks, mate. And yesterday was bloody fun having you back out there. And we're out there again. Um, you're just going to keep coming, man, and it's exciting to have you with me. It gives me time just to chill out and sit down and <laughs> not work. So, um, no, I appreciate that, mate, a lot, actually. Um, yeah, thanks. Hit me a little bit. But mine is um, Egan, who we actually had on the podcast last week. Thanks. And, um, yeah, we we did the whole two days together Um through the live workshop and you know just bouncing off each other and then what we've how we've been connecting um in the last week since that but also before it but especially in the last week man back and forth messaging supporting each other and um yeah really grateful for him and and what he's doing um in terms of you know he's in the same area as well so um yeah he'd, he'd be my person i'm grateful for this week beautiful guys what a good episode yeah, I loved it. I loved it, guys. Indeed. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, thanks fun. for coming on, especially um, with an exam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lily, good luck for your exam. Um, if you've got anything else to share to the listeners before we end up, please share. Um, I guess just, yeah, don't lose hope. You know, I know when you get in those like super dark days, it can be very, very hard to see anything besides it. But um, yeah, I promise you that there are better days out there and um, they are coming for you. Just be patient, look after yourself and, um, yeah, speak to somebody about it. You don't have to do it all on your own. Amazing. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, be sure to go check out How To Be Well, support Lily and her work. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening to tuning in once again. We'll catch you in the next one. You. Thank you. You, my friend, have just made it to the end of another Switched On podcast. Thank you very, very much. If you enjoyed the episode, it would be a massive help if you could follow the channel, rate five stars, of course, please, tap the notification bell, share with friends and family, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to suggest some feedback, suggest a guest, or even advertise your brand, reach out to our Instagram DM. And also be sure to check out our website for more information, resources, and updates for what we've got coming up. Thanks once again. Stay switched on.